Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Good morning. Good to be here with you this morning in God's house. I just love that we can be here together. And I love the fact that we can gather together, and I'm glad that you are here with us this morning. I love that singing, love that old rugged cross. I, you know, uh, we're learning some new songs, and I'm thankful for your willingness to learn some new songs. And the team is doing a great job uh, teaching them. Uh, but I still love that song. I almost ran up here and said, can we sing that chorus again? I'm not, not going to have us do it, but uh, cherish that old rugged cross. And uh, my trophies, one day I'm going to lay down at his feet. That cross that he died on for me and for you, for anybody, for, for everybody. If we would only believe we can have freedom and we can have a home in heaven. And I'm so thankful for that. I want us to uh, turn your Bibles again, Mark chapter 10. Uh, I had something a little unusual happen just now. I had, for some reason, my notes did not update. And so my second half of my message is not here. But um, either I'm going to remember or I'm just going to focus on the first part and then we'll go from there. But uh, we'll have next week's ready. But Mark chapter 10 and before we even read it, I want to pray a prayer because I came across a verse this week. And it was the prayer of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah prayed a prayer that just amazed me. And I'm going to close this prayer with the verse or the word slightly altered just to fit today for us but it's in um it's in it's in second uh, chronicles 37 and it's verse 20 but i just want to pray to open us here and then we'll read in just a minute but this message i want to bring to you jesus loves the little children comes from our passage in mark 10 and 13 through 16 and I haven't said a word to Landon about this, and this is very emotional for me because we had the chance to go see a movie this week together, The Sound of Freedom. And I don't normally advocate going to see movies or whatever from the pulpit, but if you have a chance to watch The Sound of Freedom, I encourage you to do so. It was as clean as far as language-wise and scene-wise of any movie I've seen in the last, I don't know how long, um, so you don't have to worry about that. It is hard to watch because it is about children, people being sold as slaves and abused. And the reason I bring that up is because I didn't even, didn't even dawn on me until really we saw the movie Thursday, and it was Thursday that I was beginning to put my message really together for Sunday. And I realize here I am, Jesus loved the little children, and this movie is about children being abducted and being sold 
into slavery. And the just Lord just brought these two together. And so I'm going to pray uh, for us this morning, and then I'm going to have us read our passage, and we will dive in to where God has us today. Dear Father, we do thank you that we can come into your house. We do thank you that we can gather in your presence and that your presence is here. And God, we thank you that we have your word to read and we have your message to share. We have your love to comfort and encourage us. And Father, we have your son who gave his life to die on a cross for us. But God, also as we share this message about how you love the little children, Father, my mind goes back to that song that probably many would consider inappropriate today. Jesus loves the little children, red and yellow, black and white, but God, you love all the children, every color, every race, everybody. And God, I certainly think about children that are suffering in this world, and I think about how far we have fallen. And God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and encourage us today. But God, also that you would work a wonder. Father, how it must tear your heart to know what goes on in this world. You know far better than we do. We know that you have a plan. We know that one day you're going to bring an end to it all. And you're going to make everything just as it was in the beginning. But now, O oh Lord God, Save us, that all the world may know that you alone are the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you would, and you have your Bibles open, uh, open your Bibles again if you're, if you're already there to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to move this and I'm going to try to use my phone because it has all my notes on it. And hold your Bible up. This is the Word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. Mark 10, in beginning of verse 13, and they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and he put his hands upon them and blessed them. This message, Jesus loves the little children. I'm going to no longer dive into an introduction. I've already given that this morning, and I want you to see several things in this passage. And number one I want you to see is that Jesus said, Bring the little children to me. Bring the little children to me. See, here's what was happening. The people, not the disciples, the people were bringing the children to Jesus. Now, understand, in the culture of that day, that was a common thing. Jesus was, well, not everybody considered him Messiah or Savior 
or the Son of God, he certainly was a rabbi. And in the culture of that day, the Jews would bring their children to the rabbis. Uh, and the rabbis would encourage them. The rabbis would you know, pronounce a blessing on them. That, that's what would take place in culture. And so therefore, people, parents, families, are bringing their children to Jesus to do just that. He was their rabbi. He, they were listening to him. They were being taught by him. And the disciples discouraged them, stopped them. That's what it says. They prevented them. Verse 13, the disciples rebuked them that were bringing their children to Jesus. They thought they were doing the right thing. I don't think the disciples thought, hey, we don't want any children around here. I don't think that's what they thought at all. They simply thought Jesus has got so much going on. He's got so, much, so many people clamoring to touch him, to speak to him, to be healed by him, to hear from him. We just got to save his energy and save his strength, and let's keep the children away. And I can't help but sometimes think about in church, or church is, how indignant people get about a child crying out, or crying, or screaming, or talking, or something in a service, and people will say, I, you know, I wish they'd get those little children. That, and I'm, I'm glad it doesn't happen here. I hope it never happens here. I hope that it never has happened here. But I just know there's a reality of people that get kind of get indignant, and they're like, man, I can't focus because the, on the preacher because that little child. And oh, how I hope every one of you would say, oh, what I would give to have some cries and some screams and some whines and some fidgeting in our church pews today. Amen. I'm so thankful for the young ones we have here. But oh, how there are people that would, no, send them off to children's church. Listen, I understand that their children's church is fine. Children's church is good. A nursery's fine. I understand that. And in our nursery that we have available, we have the, the sound is even piped in down there where you don't miss the message. But there are some that, and there are some churches that just don't let kids in at all. And Jesus, seeing that they were keeping him, the keeping the children from him, it says he was much displeased. Can I just tell you that is an understatement of understatements? When you read the original language and you understand the picture of what is going on here, what is happening is Jesus is doing teaching, he's doing things, he's speaking to people, and he notices the disciples, his partners, his called ones, are keeping the children from him. And he's like, hey, don't do that. Don't keep the children from from me. Bring them to me. And oh, how as a church and as Christians, but also as our society, how far we've come in what Jesus' call was. How far we have come in preventing children from coming to Jesus. We saw in chapter 9 where he says, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, and that wasn't just children, but children would have been included. 
Whoever shall offend one of these little ones that believes in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. So we have to wonder what the disciples were thinking. Yet sometimes we do the same thing. And I just want to say, the Word of God says, Jesus, if he were here, would say, stop it. The way we treat children today, the way we act towards children today is so contrary to what Jesus did and would do. Jesus delighted in children, inviting them to come to him. Look down in verse uh, uh, 16. He took them up in his arms and he put his hands upon them and he blessed them. One of the great travesties of today, in my mind, is how careful we have to be in dealing with children. Children desperately need to be loved and touched and hugged. Psychologically speaking, We know this from years of studies, but it was accelerated or spiked in the COVID era. Just how much damage is done to a little child who doesn't get the physical attention that he needs. Now, I'm not talking about inappropriate. Jesus wasn't inappropriately touching children. There was nothing gross. There was nothing icky. There is nothing wrong with him, what he was doing. I can, can you see it in your mind how the children would have come running to him and jumping up in his arms and him just bear-hugging them and holding them and whispering in their ear and blessing them? I still, I love, and, and, I, and my wife has to caution me sometimes with people we don't know or children we don't know you can't do that and I understand in the world and the society that we live in I've got to be careful that people don't think something inappropriate is going on or or whatever but I love to play with children and hug children my own kids as old as they are I'll still go in and jump on their bed and I'll say you just need some loving from your daddy and and just wrestle with them or, or just you know pounce on them and of course, they act all, you know, upset and, you know, they, they, they stop it, stop, stop. They love it. And whether they love it or not, they need it. Jesus was doing what he knew the children needed. And here in today's world, we can't do anything without risk of being accused of all kinds of things. And I'm telling you, Jesus delighted in inviting them to come. And we, and even, and listen, I understand. You know, I, I grew up in a home where when I was little, you know, kids would be seen and not heard. How many of you, you know, that? that and I'm not saying that, that I'm, there's times when adults are talking and, and kids want to just run their mouth and interrupt everything because they want the attention on them. I understand there's got to be a balance, but I still think that sometimes we, no, no, you're a child, you just get out of the way. No. No. That's not what Jesus did. He delighted in them. He loved them. He blessed them. He put his hands on them. He hugged them. He let them know, hey, you're loved. You're important. You're significant. I care about you. I have time for you. 
And I want you to see the third thing that this morning, that how far we have come. Jesus delighted in children, and we are, as a society, I don't, I, again, I'm not speaking necessarily right here to us. I hope this is not to us, but we are destroying our children. Looked up a few statistics. Over 600,000 children are abused or neglected in America each year. Those are ones that actually they know about and in, are in, charges brought or convicted of. 600,000 a year. It's 3.9 million actual accusations. And you say, well, what about the ones that, you know, get in trouble for, you know, spanking somebody in the bottom or, or disciplining or, or, you know, actually making someone sit down or something? That, throw all that out for a minute. You got 3.9 million, but 600,000, and surely somewhere in the middle of that is the reality, plus all the ones that we don't know about, of children actually being abused. In America, a year. In America. That's not the world. Some of these are the world. I'll, I'll give those to you. But over 400,000 in America are in foster care because their parents largely. Now, again, I realize in cases, there's cases where somebody dies or someone's so sick they can't take care of a child. I get that. But of those 400,000 in foster care, the, the vast majority are because the parents didn't want them or weren't willing to make the changes to keep them. In other words, I'd rather my drug habits or I'd rather my alcohol or I'd rather my running around and not having a place for them to be. I'd rather have that than have my children. 400, nearly half a million. Nearly one million babies are aborted in America. That's as of 2020. One million just killed, murdered, destroyed. An estimated 1.2 million children in the now that one million babies that's in America 1.2 million children in the world a year are victims of human trafficking 1.2 million children it is a 150 billion dollar industry where people are sold into largely sex trafficking Jesus said, bring the children to me. We're destroying our children in America, in the world. And you say, well, preacher, that's not us. That's not the church. My question is, what are we doing about it? What are we saying about it? What are we praying? What are we speaking out about about it? What really bothered me when I went and saw this movie, I went and saw the movie, and I heard, I didn't read anything really about the movie itself. I didn't, I didn't know the story of the movie. I just knew it was about people trafficking. And I read all the, I, I read the media things about, oh, about how it's QAnon and how it's fake and how it's over-dramatized, uh, that type of word, dramatized and politicized and all this, and don't go see it, and we're not going to show it, and we're not going to have it in this theater, and we're not going to talk about it. And I went and saw the movie, and I said, how on earth? What is wrong with people? 
I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, but largely it's Hollywood and largely it's the liberals that don't that want to discredit it and say, well, it's not real, and it's not as big of a deal. I don't care how big of a deal you think it is. One child is too many to be trafficked in such a way. And they don't want the message out. How far we've come. But now let me just, okay, so let's take it a little bit closer to home, all right? Can I do that for a moment? A little bit closer to home this morning. Not only are we destroying the children, we're hindering the children. The ones that we're not destroying, the ones that we're not permanently damaging, the ones that are not victims of these things and going through these horrible situations, we're still hindering children because we are teaching them the unimportance of Jesus. Now I'm talking about even, again, I hope not here, but in Christian society, in the church culture, we are teaching them the unimportance of Jesus. How? Well, we've taught them that virtually everything else is more important. School. Can't go to church, got to get your schoolwork done. Sports. If you don't go to school, you can't get a good education, and then you can't get a degree, and you can't go to college, and you can't make a living. If you don't know Jesus, you don't get to go to heaven. I don't care how rich you were in this world. Sports. It kills me. As a parent, I battle this and struggle with it because I've got kids that played sports, and there's times that they did miss church. But there's one thing that my, my children knew was the importance of church. And I'm not even talking about just church. I'm talking about people say, well, you don't have to go to church. You also, you know, to be a Christian, you also don't have to have a parachute to jump out of an airplane. But it helps. But okay, so you miss church. Are you showing them Jesus in the home? Are you, are you showing them the battle with, hey, listen, I understand that we, we're not going to miss every Sunday, but okay, there's a Sunday or two here that you're going to miss or a service or here or two that you're going to miss, but do you understand how important it is that we talk about Jesus, that we show you Jesus? It's not just sports. It could be anything. People in choirs, people in bands, people in clubs, people in other skills and in, 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 in hobbies and all kinds of things that they put before Jesus. I could say put before church because that's certainly true. But again, to kind of battle the idea of, well, I don't have to, we don't have to be in church every Sunday. But how are you showing them Jesus every day? Jesus said, bring them to me. Don't keep them from me. Bring them to me. And we've got to have a job. They've got to get a job. Get a job at McDonald's. Get a job at Wendy's. Get a job at... Ch well, Chick-fil-A doesn't have church on... doesn't have work on Sunday. But all these other jobs, and their job keeps them from coming to church. Or maybe your job keeps you from coming to church. I'm so glad that I have some in this church 
again, that I can, I'm not going to call your name, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I know that you have work today, or you worked last night all night, or you're going to be going to work, and yet you've been without sleep, yet you're here. And I'm thankful for that. But the excuses that we make for not talking about Jesus, the excuses we make for not going to church, oh, we've got to have a job, and we've got to have a career, and I've got to put money on the in the, in the bank, and food on the table, and it, if it's not that, it's some other form of entertainment that we're going to go to this concert, we're going to go to this thing over here, that vacation over there, and we just leave Jesus out of all of it. And Jesus must be the priority, not the bottom of the list. I struggle when people tell me, I didn't come to church Sunday preacher because my family was having a get-together. So bring them to church. That'll step on some toes. But we're hin- Our children, children, listen, your ch- church or Jesus, which is really what we're talking about here, will never be important to them if they don't see it's important to you. Very few come to Jesus after they leave the home. Very few. It's just a reality. And we're hindering them. In fact, we're also hindering them this way. We've taken away that which would point the way to Jesus. We've done our best to take God out of schools. Now, when people say this, we've taken God, we've taken the Bible, we've taken prayer out of school, I kind of kick back on that a little bit because you can't take God out of the school. You can't take Jesus out of the school. You can't take prayer out of the school. You can't. When I was doing release time, and we do release time here, it's starting soon, be praying about that. But when children tell me, or when people say, well, they've taken prayer out of schools, And kids will tell me, well, we can't pray in school. Yes, you can. And they can't tell you you can't. Number one, it is sad, but they've taken organized prayer or where teachers can't lead in prayer out of schools. And I know there are some places where they've been battling students praying publicly, but you can. And even if they took that away, Nobody can stop me from walking up and down my hallways and in my classroom from praying silently. Number one, I can pray out loud and just deal with the consequences, but you say, well, I want to be obedient to authorities. Okay, fine. You can still pray in your heart. You can still pray in your mind. You can't take prayer out of schools unless you take the prayer out of the children that are in schools by taking Jesus out of the children that are in schools. You can carry your Bible in school. They can try to tell you that you can't, but you can. Oh, you may have people make fun of you, but guess what? If you're going to live a Christian life, people are going to make fun of you all your life, so you might as well just go ahead and get used to it. But we've done these things to hinder them in the places where in the home, in the school, even in the church, we're taking away the things that ought to point them to Jesus. If Jesus got so upset with the disciples for preventing them from bringing them to him, then what would Jesus say today? 
What would Jesus say today that we're not speaking up, that we're not voting, that we're not saying, hey, this is not right? What are we doing? Here's here's the real question then. What are we doing to do what Jesus was doing, and that is to love and bless the children? You say, well, what can I do about all that? What are you doing to encourage children, to show them they are loved? And I don't mean just your children or just your grandchildren. And by the way, I know we're talking about little children here, but your children never stop being children. But what are we doing to show them that they're loved? What are we doing to show them that they're treasured? What are we doing to show them, hey, you're not a hindrance, you're not a bother to me? Listen, I'm not talking, I understand that children need to learn the balance and that sometimes parents have to have some parent-adult time. I get that. But are we making the children feel like they're not wanted, they're not needed, they're not desired? We don't want you around. What are we doing to show them they're desired? What are we doing to show them they are important? What are we doing to encourage them along the way? Listen, how many of you, just, okay, of, of the older crowd, if you're over 30, all right, wave your hand at me if you remember somewhere in your Wayback Machine some difficulties in growing up. Just wave your hand at me. Come on. There was something that went on that was difficult. You remember that? Can you imagine what it must be like now in today's society as a child? And even if you think, well, it's really not that different, if that's your mindset, okay, still was hard for you and for me. I would make the argument we've made it a whole lot harder. What are we doing to encourage them in the way? What are we doing to show them, not just encourage them in, 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 the, in everyday life, but to show them the way to Jesus? There are children. I'm so glad that we do release time here. I'm so glad that we've had this going on for several years now. Five, six years we've been doing this. And another semester with a new teacher this year. I'm telling you, I'm so glad that we're finding a way as a church to teach these children who don't get shown Jesus, who don't get taught about Jesus, who don't have Bibles in their homes, many of them, who don't go to church, many of them, and they're coming five days a week, and at least for 45 minutes out of that day, they're being taught the Word of God. But what are we doing apart from that in our own lives to encourage, to uplift, to show they're treasured, and most importantly, to show them that Jesus wants them? We can talk about gender and we can talk about transgender. We can talk about all that all we want. There are people that do struggle with that as far as a gender dysphoria, confused about who they are. A big part of that is because they're rejected by certain groups of people. A big part of it is because they don't know who they are in Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ said, in your mother's womb I formed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And so they find acceptance in these niche groups that seem to be everywhere nowadays, but it's only because we're focusing on it. But I'm telling you, everybody needs to know God loves them. And if God loves you, I love you because God loves me and instructs me to love you. And so therefore, we ought to be doing all we can. What are we doing? How are we praying? How are we reaching out? To show them the way to Jesus. And to show them they're loved and embraced and desired and treasured and important and special. Lastly, this is the second part of this. And for us, maybe it's, well, I guess for everybody, it's the most important. Is Jesus says that we must become like little children. Verily I say unto you, verse 15, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. That doesn't mean whosoever shall receive the kingdom of God when he's a little child. It's in the mindset of a little child. So he lifts up the children, he holds them up, and he says, listen, this is what we need to be. Jesus, you know, we often tell children to grow up and act like adults. And I've said this to my children at times. I say, you know, to Lucas or to Landon or to Ella, you know, it's time to grow up now. And I understand what I mean when I say that. But Jesus said something different here. He said, listen, we often tell the children to grow up and act like adults, but here Jesus is t telling the adults to model themselves after the children. You say, well, why? Well, number one, because that little child has a humble dependence on others. The child can't do it on their own. Now, somewhere along the way, teenage years or whatever, they get the idea they can. They don't need mom and dad anymore. Or they, they can do it on their own. But the little child, you bring the little four-year-old in here, the three-year-old in here, they can't do it on their own. And they depend on others. And as Christians, we have to get over our own independent, arrogant attitudes and say, God, I can't live this life on my own. Little children are receptive to others. You watch a little child. I'm talking about you go in, I'll walk into Tracy's uh, K-4 class at Oakwood. And I've got white kids playing with black kids, playing with Mexican kids, playing with Asian kids, boys playing with girls, girls playing with the boys. They don't get caught up in what your skin color is or what your race is or how much money your parents make or even the clothes that you have on as far as are they brand name? Are they Nike? Are they? That is learned. It's learned. And we are to unlearn what society has taught us or what we've learned as we've grown up, and we are to be receptive and accepting of everybody. That doesn't mean approving of everybody. Little children accept their environment and their circumstances and they don't wonder if the grass is greener on the other side. We somehow reach a point in our life and all of a sudden we're not satisfied with where we're at. A little child is satisfied. Now listen, I'm not talking about spoiled little children here. I'm talking about your normal child, little child that has been 
taught and disciplined. They sit there and they don't just sit there and, and be dissatisfied. I need a bigger house. I need a nicer car. No. They accept their circumstances. And they children enjoy much, but they understand very little. We're to be the same way. I don't understand much in this world. And if I'm not careful, I can get anxious over that, and I can get terrified over that. But a little child, he doesn't understand much. He just understands what's around him, and he's going to make the most of it. The last few weeks on our Wednesday night uh, youth hangouts, we played balloon volleyball i lined up six chairs side by side that was our net i had a half deflated balloon that was left over from a retirement party and we batted that back and forth over the chairs and you should have heard the squeals and the smiles of those children When a child is hurt, when a child has a problem, what does a child do? You know, this is how it would be like little children. They go to their mom or dad. When we are hurt or when we have a problem, what should we do? Go to our heavenly daddy. Oh, Jesus is saying, listen, you've got to become like little children. Oh, here's the example. Be a little child in your faith. It requires a childlike faith to enter into heaven. Well, what does that mean? I'm helpless. I'm unable to save myself. That little child can't do it. They understand. Little children, you know, come to crossing the road, and the first couple times they're going to try to run across that road until all of a sudden they fall down or they realize they can't do whatever it is, and then what do they do? They learn to reach up and grab mommy and daddy's hand. That's what we have to do. Look to God. We cannot get to heaven on our own. We can't live the Christian life on our own. I'm helpless and unable to save myself, but I'm totally dependent on the mercy and the grace of God. It's only His love, only His mercy, only His grace is the only way I'm going to get to heaven. And we enjoy God's creation because we believe if you're going to enjoy God's creation that God is going to take care of you, that He loves you and will take care of your daily needs. Oh, my friends, We've got to be like the little child and understand as the little child, just like that little child, and when we become like that little child, Jesus says, come on, jump up in my arms. And I'm going to close this way because I can't wait to when I, one day when I get to heaven, whether it be through death or whether it be through the resurrection, or the rapture, and I'm taken up, whatever it is, when I get to Jesus, I... I let me stop for one second. I know that when I get to heaven, my desires are going to be different than they are right now. I've told you this before. As a kid, and still to this day, I want to ride on a dinosaur when I get to heaven. Because I think they're going to be there. And the lion and the lamb are going to lay down together, and, and they're not going to. And so, therefore, I want to find a pterodactyl or something that I can fly on 
I want to, I want to, on an eagle's back, I don't care. I want to do that. Or just fly like Superman. That's what I want to do. My desire may change when I get to heaven. It may not be that. But here's a desire that won't change. When I see Jesus, I'm going to do one of two things. And, and it may be the first. I may just fall down and can't do anything, can't say anything, just worship. But if I can have my desire, I want to just go fly and leap into his arms. Fly and leap. Just run and just jump, just like that little kid, just like Landon used to do and Ella used to do and Lucas used to do, jumping off the steps and get to the highest step they can get to and jump knowing that Jesus is going to catch me and just bear hug him as he bear hugs me. Like a little child. So my two questions for us in closing, are we going to, can we... Ask God to help us become like little children. And again, if you're saved, you already did in your faith at that moment in time. But sometimes we grow up in Christianity and we lose that childlikeness. And that God would bring some of that back to us so that we can live as he wants us to live with that childlike faith. Depending on him, calling on him, relying on him for everything. And then number two. Will you find a child? Find some way to encourage a child, to, to help a child, a young person. I don't mean just a little child. It may be a teenager. It may be your own child. It may be somebody else's child. It may be a grandchild. But just to say, you know what? You are treasured. You are loved. You are wanted. You are important. And God may lead you to do other things. But can we not at least do that? What would God have you do? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with us today. And God, I pray that you would just remind us how precious a gift children are. And God, that we would speak up and speak out for children in this world in which we live, in a world in which it seems so many people want to push them to the side or get rid of them or hinder them or deter them or keep them from ever knowing you. God, the Ten Commandments are taken out of the courthouse. Bibles and prayer they're trying to take out of schools. Oh, God, that we would speak up and speak out for children. That we would defend children who cannot defend themselves. But God, that we would become like little children in our lives. And God, if there's someone here today that has never turned to you for salvation, that today would be the day. Someone listening to my voice, whether in this room or online, but God, that they would say, God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. And God, I cannot get to where you are. But you've come for me. They would repent and believe by the faith of a child and have their sins washed away. Save us, O oh God, in a way that only you can be seen as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.